Hi, and welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia, who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. I just realised as I put Do Not Disturb mode on my iPad that uh, I should close some other apps because otherwise we're going to have a Disney movie probably coming through halfway through. Very exciting. MJ, I have been continuing to watch Moana. You'll be happy. I'm three quarters of the way through. It is highly enjoyable. I don't think Davey likes it as much as I do, but that's okay. Um, Hurrah. How is everyone? Yeah, we're a little small tonight, but I kind of like that we've got a little clump down here. Thanks for clumping uh, down the front. It's nice to not feel too alone up here. Um, Awesome. So we are continuing our series on the Gospel of Mark, which has been really fun so far. Um, It's been all about um, how Jesus is supposed to be at the centre of our lives. And um, if he's at the centre of our lives and he's at the centre of all we we do and we say and how we act and and just how we live in general. Um, But I was thinking about it this week and was like, hmm, if I'm honest... I often wonder where Jesus is in my, in my world when I do something or I say something or I, I'm thinking a certain way. I'm just like, mm, that's probably, Jesus probably isn't down with that. Um, and that's okay because we're all on a journey towards Jesus. So I think that's the thing to keep in mind as we're talking about um, becoming more like him. We're not there yet. And so um, don't beat yourself up um, if you're, if you have moments where you catch yourself and go, gosh, I could have done that better, because that's, that's like the Holy Spirit. He gets to kind of do that in us and um, teach us as we go. So that wasn't part of my notes, but that's a thought for this evening. So if you take nothing else away, don't beat yourself up. Um, so we're going to be looking uh, at Mark 6 tonight. So if you want to get ahead, feel free to flick open your Bible or your device or whatever. Um, But I just thought I'd give us a reminder of what's just happened before this passage. So um, Jesus has his 12 12 disciples that are following around after him, who are watching what he's doing, who are seeing him do all these miracles and and living out this really different life. Um, And then he sends them out. He goes, off you go, go do the stuff that I've been showing you. So your turn to give it a shot and then come back and let me know how you go. So he sent them out. His friend John the Baptist is killed. He's beheaded, which is pretty gruesome. Um, And then after that bit of the story, the disciples return. So that's where we are right now in this um, passage that we're about to read. And usually um, when, if you you know this story, so it's Jesus and the 50,000 million um, fish and bread, Um, So he's multiplying out food, which is good fun. I love food. I love hospitality. So this is a fun one for me. Um, But when we think of this passage, um, often we think about it in the context of Jesus grieving for the loss of his friend. Um, So John the Baptist, guy who lost his head. Um, Amazing guy. Um, But as I was reading the passage, I was thinking, I just felt like God gave me a different perspective. So I thought, let's go there. Um, So, excuse me while I give you a little bit of commentary as we read this passage. So, uh, from verse 30. So, Jesus feeds the 5,000, not the 50 million 
thousand whatever it was fish people. He doesn't feed the fish. He feeds the people. Good to know. So the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. And when I picture this, this passage, um, I kind of feel like the disciples would have been like seagulls around Jesus going like, like trying to one-up each other. It's like, I healed a cold. Oh, I healed a headache. No, I healed a broken arm. Oh, well, quadriplegic, no longer quadriplegic. And I just felt like they would have been elbowing each other out, out of the way. Because if you read a little bit further into Mark, I think it's in chapter 9, yeah, there's like a who's the greatest conversation. So they're walking down a dirt road and um, all the disciples are saying, to like they're just kind of bickering about who is the greatest disciple. So I, that's kind of the framework that I always come to these passages with, that they would have been like kind of having an ego, an ego fight. Um, so that aside, that's how I'm picturing it. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Elbow, elbow. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, Jesus, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. I'd be a bit cranky about that if it was me and I was hungry and tired and everyone just won't leave me alone. Then Jesus landed and saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. How funny are the disciples? They're pretty much just hangry and uh, they want some personal space. And so they're just like, send the people away. They're in a remote place, but let's send them as far away as possible so we can have some space to ourselves. I love that they're just looking for any, any way to get rid of the people. I often feel like I have those moments in my life. <laughs> and then he answered... You give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Isn't it funny that the disciples have just been out doing all these miracles and yet they don't really kind of join the dots of like, oh, if we can heal a quadriplegic or whatever it is, we could make some food. How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. Oh, the green grass. I never noticed that. The green grass. That's a nice detail. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish amongst them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. That is many men, and that doesn't include the women and children. Um, okay, so there's one main thing that I want us to get out of tonight. Um, I sat down, and I, I tend to, when I'm chatting with Jesus, um, 
I, I just kind of try and write down what he says. And so I want to read this to you because I really feel like this is what the Lord, like if there's, if there's something for you to take away, this is it. Would we, as a community, would we allow the Holy Spirit to shape us into people of deep compassion, empathy, and love? Would we love the one in front of us with what we have in our hands? And when Jesus asked the disciples, well, how many loaves do you have? I think what, is, what I feel is actually asking is, what do you have in your hands right now? What have you got in your hands? So to get us there, um, I feel like there are three questions that I want us to think about. Uh, so if you're a note taker, feel free to write these down. Um, so number one, uh, I want to ask us, who are the people in front of you? Think about your own life. Um, and who are the people in front of you? I think often um, when we think about serving others, um, it's easy to go, oh, well, I need to go out to find them. I need to go on mission or I need to go into the city and find people who are homeless or I need to find a soup kitchen. Or um, I, I sometimes feel like we look for those big things that are going on in people's worlds to kind of step into and assist in. Um, but, and they're all wonderful things. But I want to kind of bring us back down into home, like our kind of close circles right now. Um, one of the guys from our board this week, we were sending emails around and um, he sent a clanger uh, in his email. So he's been reading the Bible in One Year app um, and he quoted Mother Teresa. Oh, there was a quote from Mother Teresa, so he quoted her too. Um, and she said, Never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time and always start with the person nearest to you. I'm going to read that again. Never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time and always start with the person nearest to you. And I think um, Jesus just does this so easily. While the disciples are so busy trying to get rid of everyone, um, he has compassion. He sees a need, a basic need, which is we need to eat. We need to feed these people. Otherwise, they're kind of going to be stuck in the dark trying to get home and they won't be able to eat. So um, he sees this basic need and his motivation is love. And he's like, well, we can sort this. We can sort this thing out. So let's do that. So who are the people in front of you? Um, my second question is who is God putting on your heart? Um, who is God putting on your heart? Um, for me, I've been like, I've been wrestling with God for quite a while um, on quite a few things that I, that I see um, or that he's been really kind of, you know, when it's almost like he shines a spotlight on on an issue or, or a thing, um, and you just can't escape it. And so I was kind of trying to escape it, and then I was emoting everywhere. So I just ugly cry most of the time when I think about this. Um, but for me, the thing that God has put on my heart is people who have left the church. It's people who have been hurt by leaders, have been hurt by doing too much, or have just felt like they haven't been seen. I have this ridiculously deep love for the local church, um, not just Northridge, but for 
like all the local churches in the world. I think it's, it's God's best plan for, um, for humanity. I, I, I think it's part of, I mean, it's, it's the way that we're supposed to bring the kingdom. Like how good is gathering on a Sunday night? And maybe you need a reminder of that because I needed that a little while ago. I was not feeling the love um, for, for doing church. It felt like it had just become a thing and I was just turning up and I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be fake in anything that I do. Um, and, I, and God gave me a real kick up the butt and he, gave, he kind of has been restoring this deep love that I have. But I have a lot of friends who have grown up in the church, who have gone to Bible college or who have um, been involved in some way and they've fallen away from their faith because they've kind of been, what's the word, dis, dis, um, dis, disillusioned. This is, this is great. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah, who've been really disillusioned by, by the church and um, who've been asking those big questions like, well, what's the point? Like, if we follow this Jesus guy... It doesn't feel like it makes much of a change to my life. So what am I doing turning up? Um, and that sounds like a big downer, doesn't it? Me just that out there. Um, but I think it's really important. I think it's really, really important to go, well, what is God putting on your heart? For me, it's that. I don't know what the solution is yet. But I would hope that by starting the conversation that um, if you ever found yourself in that place, whether you're at home or here, um, that you would be willing to actually do the conversation and ask the questions and don't be scared to like bring it out into the open. I think it's really good when we can wrestle with those questions together. Um, so that's something that God's putting on my heart. So what's he putting on yours? Question number three is, what do you have in your hands? What are the resources that you have accessible to you? How many loaves do you have? I love that Jesus had fish and bread. I hate fish. I'm anaphylactic. It would not end well for me, but I love bread. Um, (laughs) But I love that it's these simple things. Just had a couple of fish, a couple of bits of bread, and he worked with that. Do you love lawn mowing? Is there someone's lawn that you could mow? Do you have neighbours who are a little bit older or it's pouring with rain and you could bring their bins in? Uh, Do you have a phone? Who has a phone? I have a phone. No, no one else has a phone? Okay, just me. I have a phone. Um, You can send a text. Like, I love how simple technology makes it that if if we just stop and we go, hey, God, what do you want to say to someone? And we tune in, he's going to give you something, a word to give to someone. And it might just be, you're fantastic. You're doing a great job at life. But send that text. Just send someone a text. Um, do you have spare time in your week? So who can you share that with? Could you go have coffee with someone or go around to their house and have tea? Or what do you do that's not food related? I feel like everything is food related with friends. But is there someone in your world who's kind of you've had an eye on you like, oh, I really need to spend time with you. Can you just go do it? What do you have in your hands? And who is God putting on your heart? For Chris and I, um, we love hospitality. I know we talk about Acts 2 all the time. We talk about food. We talk about gathering around the table. We love it. Um, But it wasn't always that way. Um, I apologize if you're in our, like, first life group many, many years ago. Um, I, I ended up loving it. But 
Let me get you to that place. So we lived, um, we got married, we lived in a tiny granny flat around the corner, which I loved, I loved it. And one of our greatest joys was opening it every Wednesday night for Life Group. And we had between 20 and 25 people who would squish into this tiny space. And I would get home from work and I'd, um, you know, you'd need to, well, maybe you don't, but I would have this like, very external, like, oh, panic moment of there's dust on the table and I need to move things around and I haven't washed the plates from last night and um, thinking that everyone was going to care uh, about the state of our tiny space. They didn't. Um, but it took me years to work out that uh, I just need to let that go, that that wasn't the point of people gathering in our home. And so now if you come over, you'll see toys everywhere and it's dusty and, you know, it's just, this is our life. It is a little bit manic, but we love having people in our space. And it's taken years of the Lord just teaching me to get over myself and my own ridiculously high expectations on what our house should look like um, to to kind of go, oh, well, what's the point of having people in our home? It's not about how clean it is. It's actually about the time that we have together. And if it's life group, the conversation we get to have and the, the life that we actually get to do together and the prayer ministry and the worship and the, all of that good stuff, it's about that. It's not about all the tiny things that I've made it about over the years. So, um, you know, what do you have in your hands? For us, we have a space and we love to open it and we have a table and a kitchen and we love to cook for people. So we love hospitality. What do you have in your hands and what are your, what are your loaves? How many loaves do you have? I hope you've thought of something. And if you haven't, go away and think about it. So I'm going to just bring us into land because this is more like a devotion, let's be honest. Let's keep it nice, short and snappy and do some prayer ministry because that's more fun. Um, but I just want to bring us back to uh, just the point of this series. Like Jesus is supposed to be at the centre of everything we do. And the thing that I love about this passage is that he takes what the people bring, what the disciples bring, which is some fish and some bread, and he makes it enough. So I want to encourage you that he takes what you bring, whether it is broken and messy, and you're like, well, Jesus, this isn't good enough for you. You are perfection, so who am I to come and sit at your feet? He takes what you bring. He takes who you are, and he says, it is enough who you are is enough. What you bring is enough. You don't have to try hard. You just need to be. And he will work with us. That's the kind of Jesus that I want to follow. Is one who takes me as I am and is willing to work with all the, the bits that, you know, probably need a bit of work. But that's okay. We're all on a journey towards him. And so I just want to encourage you not to lose sight of that. That there's no point in going for perfection or um, any of that. I want to encourage you to just bring your true, authentic self to Jesus and let him work with that because how beauty, beautiful will this community be, this church be, if we all do that and we take that out into the world because that's what's going to transform the people around us as if we're just ourselves. 
I love that Jesus just uses us the way we are. So on that note, um, I'd love to invite you to stand. And um, Adam, do you want to come and do some twinkly twills? Twinkle twills? I don't know what you call. Strumming. Strumming. I should know that. I'm musical. <laughs> don't play guitar. David brings me his ukulele all the time and is bitterly disappointed that I can't play a chord. Um, <laughs> cool. Thanks, Adam. So we're going to do some prayer ministry. Um, and we're just going to stop for a minute and invite the Holy Spirit to come. And then we'll see what happens from there because I have no plan. Um, and so if this is new to you, um, there's no woo-woo, no weirdness. Um, just want to encourage you to close your eyes. Um, if it's helpful, you can put your hands out in front of you. It's just a, well, I find it a helpful way to kind of focus on the Lord and um, just kind of put myself aside, really. So I encourage you to open, close your eyes, put your hands out in front of you if you feel comfortable. And we're just going to say, Holy Spirit, come. Come.